Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, another parable about farming. The 13th chapter might be called the Farmer's Almanac part of the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be reading verses 24 through 30. As we come to this passage, though, let's first share a word of prayer. Gracious God, you are God. So we need your word. For apart from your word, there is no life. And so speak to us, we pray. We are here. We are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us listen for God's word for us. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, Did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? And he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both both of them grow together until harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So I was a hospital chaplain Not a full chaplain, actually. It was an internship in seminary, and I had not spent a lot of time in hospitals and the conditions that you encounter there, but I was the chaplain on call and was summoned to the sixth floor, and I arrived to find a woman not much older than I was at the time. And her child, uh, could not have been more than three years old, had died. I prayed with her, and then we talked. Actually, the more accurate way to describe it is I talked. The truth is, I was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable with the situation. I was uncomfortable with silence, and so I just, I just talked and talked, and I just kept talking until she very gently asked, would it be possible for us just not to talk? You see, I wanted so desperately to help, 
And I thought maybe I could just find the right words that would make it okay. You can be grateful that I'm not still that stupid. If you like, you can think of Matthew as a preacher preaching to a congregation like ours. And Matthew's congregation had their own pains, their own disappointments. They were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, the one long promised by Judaism. They were convinced that the Spirit of God was infused in him like no other they had ever known. And yet, rather than a redemption and healing and abundant life being the norm, the world was still a mess, and they were kind of a mess too. They professed that Jesus was Lord, but from all objective measures, it looked a lot like Caesar was calling the shots. They practiced a new kind of social order where men and women and slaves and free could live with one another, not defined by those social categories, but defined by their truer identity as children of God. And because they did, the culture at large looked at them with suspicion, maybe even hostility. But most painful of all for Matthew's congregation, they were, they were Jewish. They were Jewish followers of Jesus. And their faith, their conviction that Jesus was the Messiah created rifts, tension with other Jews, other Jews who were their friends, other Jews who were their family. And by the time that Matthew writes his gospel to this little congregation, they have either walked out or been kicked out of the synagogue. We're reading this post a family fight. It was more than painful. And you can hear them asking, if Jesus really is Lord, is life still this way? If Jesus is the promised one of God, isn't life supposed to be different? So Matthew being a preacher, he reminds them in the midst of their quandary and pain of a story that Jesus loved to tell. It's a story about farming again. Jesus wasn't a farmer, nor was his father. You kind of wonder why he didn't come up with some parables about carpentry, right? But no, he likes seeds and soils and weeds. And in this parable, Jesus says there's a wheat field and there are weeds found among the wheat. Now, for the purposes of this sermon, I'm not dealing with the whole parable. I'm just going to skip over the where they come from and the enemy did this. and what. I'm just going to skip over that part. We'll do that another time. I want to get to the conversation about what you do about these weeds. My mother loved to garden, and she loved it when all of her children helped in the garden. I didn't have a green thumb, and so the only job I was entrusted with was pulling weeds. She made it very clear that that weeds have no place in the garden. Now look, 
I hated this. I hated this with a particular passion. I hated this. And, and I promised myself as a young person that when I grew up and I was on my own, if I were to have a garden, and first of all, I wouldn't have a garden. And second of all, if I did have a garden, in my garden, weeds would not be treated as some second-class flora. Weeds would live a life of liberation. They, they would thrive. And, and if I had children, I would take them to my weed-infested garden, and I would not treat them as indentured servants having to pull weeds under the blazing August sun. No, I would teach them to delight in all of God's plant life. That is what I was going to do. I got over that. I still have no green thumb, and anything that grows in our yard is strictly a result of my wife's magic, but I still pull weeds. Mom was right. Weeds have no place in a garden. But Jesus sounds a little bit like me as a teenager. And for the record, no one has ever said that before. <laughs> His stories are full of surprises, and the first surprise is when the weeds show up amidst the wheat, the laborers go to the master and say, do you want us to do anything about that? You've got weeds in the garden. You want us to do anything about that? Just one afternoon with my mother would realize you don't have to ask that question. You just pull the weeds. It's surprising that they ask. But then when they do ask, what's more surprising is Jesus says, no, don't pull those weeds. You leave them. The truth is, if you try to weed the garden, you'll cause more harm than help. Again, this is not a story about farming. It's a story about life in God's promised day. And if I understand the text, if I understand it, Jesus is teaching us something about how to deal with the disappointments and injuries of life, the failings in the world and in ourselves. And what he teaches, I think, what he teaches is that when it comes to the weeds of life, sometimes you got to pull it. But sometimes you just got to leave it alone and trust that God will take care of what we can't fix. Two stories. I saw a birthday card on an already open stack of mail at our house, and I ask, oh, who's the card for? See, in our house, all of the R's, we have birthdays within about eight weeks of each other. It's just one right after the next. And, and so I saw the card, and I said, oh, who's the card for? And Carol looked at me and said, probably for me. I was I was asking, it, it was March the 10th, actually, 1996, I asked, which coincidentally happens to be Carol's actual birthday, the 10th of March. And despite my, of course I knew that expression, 
I fooled no one. It was obvious that I had completely forgotten her birthday. I think about that moment every time we dine at our dining room table. If you haven't connected the dots, that little lapse of memory in 1996 cost me a dining room table as a birthday gift. Had I just remembered, yea, even on the ninth, I could have slid by that year with a sweater. But no, when things go wrong, when things are messed up, sometimes you have to do everything you can to make it right. Sometimes it even costs you a dining room table. You've got to do what you've got to do to make it right. Am I making sense? Another story. In 1880, there were three men who were running for the Republican nomination for president. It was James Blaine, John Sherman, and Ulysses S. Grant. The convention met and could not decide among these three, and after days of voting on the 36th ballot, they nominated none of them. They nominated a guy who not only wasn't running, a guy who said he didn't want the job. They nominated James A. Garfield. Well, he refused to run, and so naturally was elected as the 20th president of the United States. And a few months into his presidency, he was shot. It was not a fatal wound, but it was a wound from which he never recovered. Dr. Willard Bliss treated the injured president. Bliss was not able to locate the bullet. The bullet had transversed his body, and it didn't make sense to the doctor. He was not able to locate the bullet but he kept trying almost daily with unsterilized instruments and sometimes his own unwashed fingers. He probed the wound in search of a bullet. Several months after the shooting, the president died. The autopsy revealed that it wasn't his assassin who killed him. It was his doctor. He died of a raging infection that was no doubt introduced by the daily introduction of bacteria by unsanitary instruments and unwashed hands. Sometimes even doing the best we can only makes things worse. Sometimes we have to trust that in God's good time, God will make right what we can't fix. That there will be a promised day when God makes right what we can't repair. Am I making sense? The most important lesson is that knowing which time is which, which time do you do everything you can to make it right, In which time do you just hand it over to God? Requires wisdom, requires humility. And maybe that wisdom begins with at least knowing sometimes you pull the weeds and sometimes you don't. The first church I served, I sat with Shirley. She sobbed. 
It hadn't been too many years since my hospital, hospital chaplaincy blunder, so I didn't say anything. I just held her hand and I handed her tissues. She had just changed the locks on her doors so that her son, her firstborn son whom she loved, could not get in their house anymore. It was a house to which she had brought him home a few days after he had been born and she had raised him in that house. But in the twist of years, her son Mark, now a young adult, was captured by drug addiction and he was destroying his life. And Shirley had tried to help. Lord knows she had done everything she knew to do to help, to no avail. And she finally came to the place where she realized even though there was no one else in the world who wanted him to get help more than her, she could not be the source of that help. It just made it worse. And so she told him she loved him and she wanted to get him help and she wanted him to get help and she changed the locks and then she prayed the kind of prayers that show up in tears. The gardens of our lives are filled with weeds. They're things that are hard to explain about the world and about ourselves. Where did these weeds come from? And the laborers in this field were wise. They knew to ask the master, do you want us to fix this? Or do we leave this to you? That's the point. Every day, we need to ask the master, what is ours to fix? And what do we have to give over to you? It's hard to trust God to take care of what we don't know how to fix. But sometimes we just have to trust that God will redeem that which we can't repair. For there is a promised day when God will make everything right. So nothing is hopeless. Nothing is hopeless. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.